I think it's awesome that people go deeper and deeper into the Word. Because when that happens, lives are changed. Hebrews 4.12 says the Word of God is living and active. In other words, the Greek word for living is zoe, and the Greek word for active is energe. So the Word of God is life and energy. And the more we dig into it, the more life and energy we have. So we would encourage you to take a course or two, how to study the Bible, or the introduction to biblical research is probably one of the best classes ever, if you want to dig deep. So, one of the most famous passages of Scripture, I think that that you could, uh, you know, as children, these children are probably already learning this passage of Scripture. The most famous passage of Scripture in the Bible is probably what? John 3.16. You know, many of us could quote it. Hey, you want to? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Well, you know, you think about that. Hey, John 3.16, but what was going on around that passage? That famous passage. Who was it written to? Or who was it said to? And what was happening there? And I think it's interesting to take a look at that. I don't know if you've seen The Chosen. It's new out... I would highly recommend it. You could download the app and watch it. It's probably one of the most incredible series on the life of Jesus. And it covers right before he goes into ministry. It takes a look at that. It's incredible. I'm telling you, it's phenomenal. Watch it. Some of you may have. But right in the first episode, there was a guy named Nicodemus. And as soon as Nicodemus came on the scene, I turned to my wife and I said, Oh, man. This is incredible. There's a backstory going on here. And I want to share about that backstory. So if you have your Bibles, open up to uh, John, the third chapter. We're going to take a look at the context of what's happening in this particular passage. See, so the context is all about Nicodemus. And, and once, once you watch the series, you're going to go, you know, I know all about that. You can tell everybody around you, hey, here's, here's the incredible thing. Why did they pick Nicodemus is a religious leader. We see in the very beginning of John 3, Nicodemus comes at night. Why? We'll talk about that. We find out in the beginning that he's a member of the Jewish ruling council. In other words, he's a part of the Sanhedrin. We know that he knew Jesus was a great teacher because he says so. We know he knew that Jesus was from God. He says so. We know that he had seen the miracles. We know He knew that God was with him. We know all those things. And yet he came at night. Why? i got to tell you, I hate darkness. I hate darkness. Anybody else here hate the dark? Afraid of the dark? I'm afraid of the dark. I am. I don't like it. Thank you, brother. Yeah, one honest person among us. Man, I'm afraid of the dark. I grew up in inner city Dallas, and one of the things that they said over and over again, my parents said, is do not be out in the dark. Because bad stuff happened in the dark. I can remember one time, I was walking through Coal Park. It's still there. I was walking through Coal Park at night. Fortunately, I was right in the middle, heard a car squeal by, and I heard shots, and I realized they're shooting at me. Because their crime can be hidden in the dark. I hate the darkness. You fumble around in the darkness. In your house, if you don't turn on the lights... Everything is fine. When my wife when my wife is out of town, I'm telling you, I turn all the lights on. I do. I don't like stumbling around. You know, if you stumble around in the dark, you're going to hit your toes. I could ask how many have done that. Probably some. 
walked into walls, you thought there was a chair there, it wasn't there, or you thought there wasn't a chair there, and there was chair, and you nailed into it. And then you think, man, all of that pain, I should have just turned the lights on. I don't like the dark. But Nicodemus comes in the dark. Why? Why? You know, you really want to say to Nicodemus, why don't you man up, Nicodemus? Don't sneak around in the dark. Darkness covers stuff. Sometimes bad stuff. A pastor friend of mine, he was telling me that years ago, when his daughter was young, he was in the basement of their house, and he was on the computer, and there were some scenes there that he shouldn't have been watching. And without knowing it, his little daughter had walked up right next to him in the darkness. And his daughter asked this question, Daddy, why doesn't the lady have any clothes on? The darkness hides things. Why do we stumble in the dark? Why do we stumble in the dark? Maybe first of all, because darkness hides our sin. It hides our sin. Take a look at John, the third chapter. Let's take a look at verse 16 in particular, that famous verse. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. We quoted it. What happens after that? For Jesus, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in Him stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Listen to this. This is the verdict, verse 19. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth steps into the light so that it may be plainly seen that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Wow. Do you get the context? Hey, Nicodemus, why are you coming in the dark? Step into the light. Step into the light. Well, why in the dark? First of all, darkness hides our sin. Look at verses 19 and 20 again. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Listen, we need to play it out in our head. If we're roaming around in the dark, where will this lead? Either in the darkness out there or in the darkness spiritually. Where will this lead? It's going to lead to guilt and more guilt and more guilt and more judgment and more judgment and more feeling of destruction in our souls. Why do we do that? Why do we stumble in the dark? I think another reason we stumble in the dark is because darkness hides our doubts. Darkness hides our doubts. Look at 321. But whoever lives by the truth comes in the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Look back at verse 11. Look at verse 11. Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. Listen. Nicodemus was a teacher of the law. He was a big-time teacher. I mean, he was a Rabboni. I mean, a teacher of the nation. He was a big-time spiritual leader in Israel. And he said he knew Jesus was a great teacher, but he came at night. Nick said he believed Jesus was from God, but he came at night. 
Nick said he had seen the miracles, but he came at night. Nick said he knew God was with Jesus, but he came at night. What does that tell you about Nick? He was a wimp. (laughs) He didn't really believe. He believed only to a limit. He wasn't sold out. His family didn't see his belief. He's a wimp. said that twice. He needs to man up. But before we get too much into Nick's face, what about us? What about us? I ask a question at a youth camp in Guadalupe Mountains. And I ask the young people there, do you really believe? Do you really believe? And they're like, oh yeah, we really believe. Well, then what does that mean? If you really truly believe, what does that mean? There's a story of illustration Tony Campolo gave. I loved it. He said there's three men and they grew up in a cave. There was a river running through the cave and the only way out, they all three believed that if you swim underwater long enough, that you can, there's a big, beautiful world out there. The first guy, he said, I believe there's a big, beautiful world out there, but he never got in the water. Let me ask you, was he committed to that belief? No. No. Second guy, he says, I believe there's a big, beautiful world out there, and he jumped in the water and he swam to the point where he knew if he went any farther, he wouldn't be able to make it back. And he went to that point, turned around and came back. Went to that point, turned around and came back. Went to that point, turned around and came back. Was he committed to that belief? No. Third guy, he says, I believe there's a big, beautiful world out there. And he jumps in the water and he swims to the point where he knows if he doesn't turn around, he won't be able to make it back. And he keeps going. Is he committed to that belief? Yeah. How do we know that? What was at stake? His life. His life. Tony Campolo made the illustration. He said, look, there's a lot of us who say, we believe in Jesus. We believe there's a heaven. We believe that God exists. We believe that God is there, but we never even get involved in the kingdom. Are we committed to that belief? No. There's some of us here who say, well, you know, I'll only give so much and, and that's it. You know, I'm just only going to go so far and come back. I'm just going to go so far and come back. Are we committed to that belief? No. And then praise God, there's some of us who say, you know what, I believe. And that means everything about my life is centered on Jesus Christ. Everything. We dive in wholeheartedly and we said, you know, just like the song, no turning back, no turning back, no turning back. Are we committed to that belief? Yeah, because what's at stake? Our lives. Our lives. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German theologian, said, when Jesus calls a man, he bids him come and die. The Apostle Paul said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. See, look, a lot of us might look at Nicodemus and say, man, Nicodemus, you came at night, man. That's showing that you really don't believe. But what about us? Are we willing to speak boldly for our king? Do people in your neighborhood know that you love Jesus? Do people at work know you love Jesus? Does your wife know that you love Jesus? Does your husband know that you love Jesus? I love my daughter. I mean, I love my daughter, but we we were driving along one time, and my daughter, she was about nine years old, and she said, I don't know what popped into her head to say this, but she just said, Dad, I love you, but I want you to know I love Jesus more. And then she said, Dad, is that okay? I said, that's the best. That's the best. Does your son know that you love Jesus with all your heart? And do you live it out? 
Does your daughter know that you love Jesus with all your heart? And do you live it out? Does your life belong to Jesus Christ? And that's what Jesus says in John 3. Look, Nicodemus, if you really want to follow, you must be born again. Stop the tradition, Nicodemus. Stop, stop your pride. Why, Jesus, I can't follow you because I'm a great teacher. Paul writes to Timothy and he says, there are those who are always learning but never able to acknowledge the truth. There are those who have a form of godliness, but they deny its power. <laughs> in my Bible, I wrote in the margin, is this me? Am I proud of my religious status to the point where I don't submit to Jesus? Have you given everything? Have you stepped into the light? Watchman Nee is a Chinese theologian. Watchman Nee said Christians need to shut the back door behind us. Here's what he says. He said Christians a lot of times leave the back door open for failure. He said, you may be a good man, and if a good man is hammering along on a nail and hits his thumb with a hammer and lets fly with a few curse words, he's still a good man and everybody thinks so. But if that same man, if you let people around you know that you're a Christian and you're hammering along and you hit their thumb with a hammer and you let fly with a bunch of curse words, they're going to rise up and say, well, I thought you were a believer. Well, we don't want that, right? So it's better just not to tell anybody. We don't want to be confronted. So it's just best to come to Jesus at night. John 3, 21 says, but whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. You know, you want to say to Nicodemus, stop sneaking around in the dark. Come on, Nicodemus, man up, step into the light. <laughs> I remember I was at a gas station, Shell gas station, at 35 and Walnut Hill. It was like one of those run-down gas stations. There was a guy behind the window. He was of Indian nationality, uh, from India. And, I mean, you could tell he was struggling talking, uh, speaking English. And there was this long line coming up to him. Because, I mean, it was cheap gas and, and it was pretty full. And my son, Zachary, and I, we were stepping in line. And Zachary was just looking around. And he figured that this guy might not know about Jesus. He was about eight, nine. I'm telling you, eight or nine-year-old kids are dangerous, you know, as far as the faith. I mean, we're just walking up, and we get up there, and this guy says, well, may I help you? And I'm like, yeah. And then, and then my son said, he just busts out. There's a line behind us. He just busts out and said, hey, do you know about Jesus? And the man goes, well, no. And he says, my dad can tell you about him, can't you, dad? And I'm looking at the long line, and the guys are going, you know, and so I'm like, well, I'd be glad to tell you about Jesus. Well, okay. And I mean, the people are there, and my son is going, go ahead, Dad, tell him. And I thought, you know what I just did? My son prompted me to step out of the darkness into the light. I can remember right after I gave my life to Jesus. I went to Dallas Christian College. Really. I, I grew up in the church, but because of the people, the, the hypocrisy that I saw in the church, I became an agnostic at best, an atheist probably. I didn't believe any of this. When I was in high school, after I graduated from high school, I had nowhere else to go. And in my mind, I was suicidal and I was living in the darkness. And so I stepped in the light. I started working at Red Lobster for the seafood lover and you. 
And man, listen, if you've never worked in a restaurant, I'm telling you, servers at a restaurant, oh, they are not godly people. Okay, I mean, you know, they're there for the money, etc., etc. And man, I was just new to this thing. I was just new. Both my parents were strong Christians, but I just didn't buy in. I just didn't buy in. And then, then I came to a point where I bought in. I stepped in the light. I was like, okay, what does this mean? And, and there's these servers who are coming around, and I, I couldn't help it. I was in the light. And so I started telling them about my relationship with Jesus, what he had done in my life. And we started winning people at Red Lobster for the seafood lover and you over and over again. And there were other students from DCC that were doing the same thing. Lori Nee was phenomenal, incredible. She just shared what would happen if we step out into the light. Nicodemus is a sad story. He came at night, a great teacher who knew nothing. He was more concerned about his reputation than his walk with the Lord. But I want to give you some hope here. What happens after this interaction? What happens after this interaction with Nicodemus and Jesus? If you look at John 3, 22, it says, After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized and baptized and baptized now John also was baptizing in Anion near Salem because there was plenty of water and people were coming and being baptized let me tell you what Jesus is doing is stepping out in the light and saying listen Nicodemus this is what happens when you step in the light people respond people come to Jesus a good friend of mine Milt Siegel, he was a head labor negotiator for Burlington Northern Santa Fe Railroad, a company that employs about 49,000 people. And Milt was really, really conflicted, and he knew he had just become a Christian, and he knew that he had to step out. And so Milt, in this huge conglomerate, he started talking to his coworkers, and he said, look, if you'd like for me to pray for you, I will. And he would text them and let them know that every Sunday he was praying for them. And he would put different thoughts and ideas uh, in a text. Well, I became one of those. He asked me if, if I wanted him to pray for me. I'm like, absolutely. Every Sunday I get a text. You know, it grew from 1 to 2 to 5 to 10 to 30 to 300 to 500 people. I said, Milt, would you pray for me? That's what happens. But what happens later with Nick? Nicodemus. If you go to John, the 19th chapter, John, the 19th chapter, and verse 38, it's pretty incredible. Let me get it for you. John, the 19th chapter, verse 38. This is after the crucifixion of Jesus. Listen <laughs> to what happens. This gives us all some hope. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. Now listen to this. He was accompanied by, guess who? Nicodemus, the man who had earlier visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds, 
And taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of cloth. This was in accordance with the Jewish burial customs. Get that? Hey, Nick, you just stepped out into the light. We always hear about Joseph of Arimathea, but boy, the, the bigger story to me is Nicodemus. Nicodemus is saying, I will take the body of Jesus. I will step forward. Can you imagine the eyes that turned, the heads that turned, when Nicodemus stepped out of the darkness into the light, into the spotlight? Is that Nicodemus, the great teacher, who is taking the body of Jesus? He will be unclean. He will be an outcast. He'll be in the light. It's Nicodemus. What about you? Let's pray. God, I pray that we would not be like the Nicodemus of John 3, but we would be like the Nicodemus of John 19. God, I know that there's probably some here, right in this room, that there is night, there is darkness inside of us, and we hide it. I know I do. Maybe there's sin, maybe there's doubt, maybe there's pride, whatever it is. God, I pray that we would follow the words of Jesus in John 3, and we would yield to John 3.16 and the context of stepping into the light. God, if there's someone here who needs to recommit themselves, or maybe has been going to church for a long, long time, maybe even a teacher that needs to put their pride aside and step into the light. God, help us not just to have courage, but to help us to surrender ourselves to Jesus, the light. And I pray this in His name. Amen.